This is Boss Ladies. I'm so excited to have you today. Me too. I'm really excited to be here, Olivia. So I'm here with Ting Ting Tursky, the product lead for the Cash App at Square. And today we're going to talk a little bit about her career, about management, mentorship, allyship, how to gain respect from your your peers and stuff like that. So we're going to cover a lot of exciting topics. Can you start by just, you know, telling us a little bit about your career journey and sort of, you know, how you got where you are right now? Sure. I think I took a pretty zigzag, untraditional path. Um, you know, growing up in Houston, Texas, um, both my parents were math scientists. So I really thought that that was the route I was going to take. I went to WashU in St. Louis for the pre-med program and kind of um, got into a program where you get into med school at the same time um, as undergrad, as long as you fulfill certain requirements. So I just really thought that that was going to be my path. Um, you know, worked in labs, took the MCATs, applied to med school. And then I had a summer before, like a I had completed these things kind of a year early. And so I had a, a free summer and thought I wanted to just try something completely new. And is randomly a friend from high school that said, oh, there's thing you can do in New York called investment banking. And there's this firm called Goldman Sachs. And so it was a complete lucky faded thing that this happened. And so I had wanted to live in New York. I wanted to try living there um, and hadn't seen a lab that I liked there. So I decided to try investment banking for the summer, really not knowing what it was. And then ended up enjoying it so much that I decided to defer med school. And so, um, yeah, I did banking at Goldman um, in leverage finance during the financial crisis. So it was maybe not the optimal time to join. Today. <laughs> you know, the first three years in 2007, it really was a, such a good introduction to the markets and what and how critical the credit markets are to a functioning economy. And I think what I really liked about that versus medicine was just the immediacy of it. I felt like looking at the med school, um, it was just a lot of years before I felt like I could actually have an impact. And I think I really loved that at Goldman, I felt like the people were incredibly intelligent and dedicated and smart. And I just felt like I was growing and be able to have an impact um, starting on day one. So that's what I really loved about it. From there, I, I took a path of going to um, private equity in LA at a firm called Leonard Green. Went back for my MBA at Stanford and then did two more years of investing at TPG in the special situations group in San Francisco. You know, I think as I looked back on investing, what I really liked about it was I thought it was very intellectually challenging and interesting. You're constantly learning about new businesses, meeting management teams. And I think it's really intellectually engaging, thinking about what are these companies valued at? Where do I want to invest? What are the trends in this industry going to be? But I think what I missed was having kind of more of the um, impact that I wanted to have. Like I wanted to work at a company where I felt really motivated by what the company was doing. And so that was why I moved to Square about five years ago. And so I, I spent the last five years at Square in the finance and strategy group. I started off by covering payments and every you know, nine to 12 months, I um, kind of grew my scope. And so it ended up covering risk, hardware, caviar, capital, SFS, um, international and vertical point of sale. And it was just a really amazing time to be part of the business. I feel like we saw Square during a tremendous time. And then obviously with COVID have seen um, a tremendous amount of change in business, but also um, how resilient small businesses are. And I think what I've loved about Square is that I really do believe in Square's mission of economic empowerment. And it's so uh, motivating to see the customers that you impact. 
and to read their customer stories and to hear from them directly what the impact you have is. Um, and that's actually why I moved just in this past month to a product management role is that I really wanted to be closer to the customer. And so that, that's what I'm doing now. That's awesome. And I can tell even as you're sort of describing your trajectory and your career, how passionate you are about learning and how much you've, you've clearly taken on roles where you're learning a ton. So that's really, really cool. Yeah. I think it's always fun drinking from the fire hose where you're just <laughs> overwhelmed. I, I love, I mean, I definitely feel that right now because I'm in, in week four of this new role. Um, and I feel like those times where it's just everything is new and you're the stupidest purpose in the room are honestly the best times because you grow so much during those times. And, you know, when you're first starting off in something, it, you know, you can ask stupid questions and not feel any filter because no one expects you to know. So um, I think that's a, it's a really special time. Yeah, absolutely. And what was that transition like going from finance into tech? You know, it was, it was challenging in some ways and easy in others. I'd say the challenging part was the the role is pretty different um, in terms of like, yes, what you're doing at the end of the day, it, like on the core FP&A side is pretty similar in building models. But I'd say um, what was very different was the strategic component and how you get stakeholders buy-in, you know, and in private equity, it's, it's pretty easy to answer that it wins, right? You're always everyone at the firm is maximizing the returns. And that's, it's kind of a North Star that everyone is aligned on. When I think about a project that we did in finance and strategy around changing pricing for Square, there are so many different stakeholders and so many different opinions and perspectives. And so, you know, from a finance perspective, we looked at low tickets and we said, we're losing a lot of money on low tickets. We should change our pricing. But if you think of it from a brand perspective or from a customer perspective or a CS perspective or from a marketing perspective, that's all very difficult, right? And so I think that's what I loved about it and also found very challenging. I love that it's a much more difficult, complicated, um, interesting problem to, you know, to try to balance all those different opinions and stakeholders and to do really right by your by your customers. And but it's also very challenging, right? To get buy-in and to find a solution that works for everyone. So that was the hardest part. The easiest part for me was that I I really, really liked the people at at Square. Um, I felt like candidly in, you know, week one of, of working with people at Square, I felt um, like I knew them better and they knew me better than, you know, two years of working in some private equity firms. And I think that's because people tend to bring their full self to work. Square is a place that really, it really focuses on vulnerability and like openness. And that's just a very different dynamic than finance and, and one that I really loved. That's amazing. And honestly, I absolutely love the mission of Square. So as you talk about that as well, you know, I think Square has done phenomenal things just, I mean, for entrepreneurs, for the world, especially like you said, during COVID and and it's very cool to see and, and I'm sure it's exciting to be a part of. So I do want to jump right into the topic of management. Um, I think management is something that, you know, is, is so challenging in so many different ways. And we all have managers, you know, at some point, I'm sure a lot of us will be managers. What advice do you have just right off the bat of like, how do you, how can you be a good manager or what even is a good manager? (laughs) Yeah, I think a good manager is someone who helps you achieve your goals. And I think that can look like a lot of different things, right? It's someone who promotes you, who makes sure you have visibility, who makes sure that like others see your work and that you have the impact that you want to have because they're helping you figure out who to connect with. I think they're also someone who gives you candid feedback about what you can improve and gives you steps to to figure out how to improve that, whether it's 
you know, public speaking, it's influencing business partners, it's um, having deeper relationships, whether it's, or it's you becoming a manager yourself. I think they are a sounding board. I think they're a coach. Um, and so I think they're a cheerleader in your corner. Um, and, you know, I think, I think to your point, you know, we've all had managers of, of different types and really reflecting on like, what are the management styles that you really appreciated, right? Uh, what, what are those that you didn't appreciate? I think the other thing I've had to learn as a manager is how to flex my management style based on the person that I'm, I'm managing. And it also depends on where they are in their career. I think some people prefer very direct feedback and some people prefer for, you know, a lot more context around things. Um, some people prefer like very detailed like instructions versus some people prefer like high level and then, you know, they come up with the ways that they want to do it. So I think it's adapting your management style to make sure that they're successful and, and to meet their needs. Absolutely. And what are some of the like tangible ways to do that, whether it's, you know, meeting with them often or I don't know, what do you, what do you think? Sure. I definitely believe in one-on-ones. I do them usually every week. I mean, when someone's starting out, you maybe need to do it even more frequently and can do daily or once every three days or every other day when someone start first dining out onboarding. And um, one thing I really liked, I think this is in a Bill Campbell book. Um, he's a really famous Silicon Valley coach. One thing I really liked is that he said, always start the one-on-ones with a personal check-in because what's going on in people's personal lives really impacts their work and they bring a lot of that to work. So if you don't know that someone is dealing with a sick relative, especially during COVID times, the stress and the strain of it, it's, you know, that context is super helpful for you to know what that person needs. And I've seen my directs struggle with this. I think work-life balance during COVID really took a nosedive. A, there's a lot of challenges in the business, a lot of things to react to. But then also when you're at home, right, it's it's very hard to just stop working. Um, and so I think definitely encouraging those folks around that, like encouraging to take vacation, encouraging time off, including like how, like these management skills of how do you, is it turning off Slack notifications? Is it setting up, like do not schedule blocks to work? Um, and it, it's, a, I think that has been a big part of it is navigating the work from home situation so that folks don't burn out. I love everything you said. And especially, I mean, thinking about, you know, getting to know what's going on in their personal lives. I mean, that's something that I've seen personally, I feel like a lot less of in the COVID times. Like I feel like in person, you have a lot more happy hours and you actually talk about the stuff you're going through in your lives. And right now it feels like you join a meeting and then you leave the meeting and that's all you you talk about. So do you have any tips for, you know, opening that door, especially in this virtual world? You know, I, I definitely think it's harder. I, I definitely think that, you know, this happy hours, we're starting to have a few, you know, small group things and like just how different those are. It, I, one thing I like about COVID is you get a little glimpse oftentimes of people's homes and it can feel very intimate on a video call. And even, you know, asking about like, what is, what is that painting behind you? How are your plants doing? I think sometimes those are, it's, it's a, it's a window into someone's lives. And I kind of love that. I think also, you know, talking about COVID, like we're all going through the stresses and strains of it. People are figuring out home situations when they're, they're moving back into cities, when they're traveling again, um, if they've had any family members impacted by COVID. So I think, honestly, that serves as a pretty good icebreaker because we're all going through this very turbulent, uncertain time together. Yeah, totally. And 
And you, you mentioned managing up. How does one manage up? I mean, the concept of managing your manager, I feel like is, is not talked about enough. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it really comes down to building trust, right? When I've had managers that you, you have that trusting relationship with, it's really about like, they'll give you the benefit of doubt. And I think, you know, one thing I've, I've found really useful in managing my manager is communication as much as possible. I think the manager will tell you if this is there, you're over communicating. But um, I think very being very proactive, you know, oftentimes I think that sometimes um, people may not want to post their manager until something is done. Um, but, you know, that can go a couple of weeks. You may be waiting to hear back on things. Um, and so I definitely found that like, hey, things are in progress. This is what I'm waiting on. Um, this is and being candid, like this is taking longer than I expected because this person on the other team is out of town or this analysis is a lot trickier and uh, more difficult or there's gaps in the data and trying to analyze this. I've just also be very candid about what the issues are um, rather than trying to present a, this is fully finished and, and perfect. Um, I think it's being very honest with, okay, we did the analysis with the best available data. Here are the gaps that this analysis doesn't tell us or where this could be wrong. And this is where we had to make you know, assumptions. Definitely. So it sounds like being very sort of like direct, open, and including them early on in, in some of your processes. Totally. And I think a big part of that is also making sure your direct get a lot of exposure to your manager. Um, and so I think it helps them see, I mean, your directs are often the people who have the, the greatest expertise in that area. It gives them an opportunity to shine um, and it gives your manager a better sense for your team, the folks on it, um, the, the challenges that they're facing. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I find that some of my skip level meetings are some of the ones where I feel like I learn the most or I feel like I get to showcase the most. So I definitely agree with that. Can we talk a little bit about the nuanced differences between, you know, managers of maybe different genders? Like, do you find that, you know, those identifying as female are acting one way or manage a certain way versus those identifying as male? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure that the differences are less distinct between male and female versus like everyone is on a spectrum. But I guess I could talk to things that were like maybe sometimes more seen as female attributes that I think are really helpful to managers of both genders. I really think that showing vulnerability as a manager goes a long way. Um, I think oftentimes saying, hey, I've actually dealt with like most of the issues that um, my team has dealt with, I've I've experienced in my career, right? You can talk about time like I've worked on presenting. I worked on getting influences stakeholders. I've worked on slowing down and synthesizing takeaways and um, relating to an audience that's not a finance audience. And so being candid with, this is something I struggled with. I don't have a perfect answer, but these are some things I did, or these are people I've seen do this well. And um, I think being vulnerable and showing like that, you know, relating to them any way you can. Um, I, I, I think another thing that um, can be helpful as a female is getting to know people's personal side. Um, you know, I think expressing an interest in someone how in, in how someone is doing emotionally, what things are going on in their personal life. Like, I I don't know if that's a female characteristic. I've seen a lot of females do it, and I think it can make people feel more connected. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with all of that. 
So I'm going to jump topics a little bit. I want to talk to you about mentorship and allyship because I think, especially with mentors, oftentimes like a manager could be a mentor. Sometimes your skip level manager could be your mentor. Sometimes you get mentors, you know, in other areas of the company. So how, how can you like look for and find a mentor just to start? Yeah. You know, I think it's mentors can often be people that you admire and that do something that I think if you just looked across the people that you worked with and you said, look, I really admire how this person presents in meetings, or I really admire how this person um, synthesizes and the takeaways, and I really admire how this person is able to get the whole team on board. Um, and then reaching out to that person and like, you know, I think especially at Square, I find that people have a very inviting, non-hierarchical like attitude. And so I think mm-hmm. people are more than willing, like schedule one-on-one. I feel like on the whole, like people love to help people like, you know, love to be flattered a little bit, that that's something that you admire in them and and want to learn better. Um, And I I think it's also reflecting on, okay, these are things I'm working on. Who does that really well? Like, what do they do differently than I do? Or even these are people who having the self-awareness to like, this is what I struggle with. These are people who may not do that very well. And so like, I think getting your own sense of like, this is a style that would work for me. And this is something not to like emulate fully, right? Cause you're going to be your own person and have your own, you're going to have your own take to it. But what are some stylistic things that they do that you seem prove effective? And I think, I, I think it's a lot about like copying that learning from those folks. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what would you say makes a good mentor? So if you are someone who already is a mentor, or you're looking to mentor others. Yeah. I think the mentors I've really appreciated. I, I have a lot of, I've been very lucky to have a, a lot of mentors from a lot of people I've worked with previous business partners and um, old, old bosses. And what I find I really like is the, is when they challenge me. I really think that the best mentors are the ones who give you very candid feedback. They don't say yes. And they tell you about, you know, the, the challenges with what options you're looking at. Um, and I think they're candid about what you need to work on as well. Um, which is, Hey, this plays up to your strengths, or this is going to be a learning opportunity. This is going to be challenging for you. Um, and I think the best mentors um, are just very honest with you. Um, and, and, that that's what's nice about them is like rather than going to your current manager or someone else in the or that you work with, they should be more detached and independent, right? So they're not trying to push you down a path that um, you know, is optimal for them. They should be an independent source of of judgment. And oftentimes I think they've seen similar situations or um, and I think you asking them about like what are like similar pitfalls of, of people mm-hmm. who've done this, um, I think that's the best way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And then what about from a mentee perspective? Like how can you get the most from your mentor? And should you come with an agenda? Should you come with questions? Like how do you make the most of that relationship? Yeah. I mean, most of the time I will have questions prepared in advance, um, not in a stilted kind of way, but more like, Hey, this is, this is what I would love this person's insights on. Um, this is what this person has seen or like, you know, when I was thinking about entering product management, I talked to some product managers and I, you know, asked them specifically about their background and how they made that transition. And so coming prepared with at least, you know, where you're seeking advice and the information that this person um, has from their experiences. Um, I talked to, you know, people who are making a transition from operator, from finance to operator, 
operating inside a company. And like, it's a similar thing, like where finding the people that you think will relate best to your experience and can share their experience. And then I think there's an entity. It's also just not taking things personally. Like everyone gets busy. I know a lot of people and I feel bad have reached out to me. And I, you know, at certain times you just get very, very busy and you don't necessarily have the time to respond. And I don't, I just wouldn't take that personally as a mentee um, because yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of um, the things that people are juggling. Yeah, absolutely. And I, my goal for this podcast and hopefully some of those, you know, mentees who have reached out to you can learn from this episode is to give people a space to get mentorship and advice where it's, you know, unlimited. <laughs> All right. Totally. Yeah. Um, what about allyship? So switching gears from mentorships and looking really for, you know, peers who, who will support you and, and, you know, can be your allies, whether it's in meetings, whether you're maybe the only woman in the room or whether, you know, you're new in the job and you need people there to support you as you start to share your ideas. Like, how can you be a good ally and how can you find allies? So like what I always encourage people to do is to have one-on-ones um, with all their business partners, all stakeholders, and often find like previewing ideas in a more casual format, like ahead of the meeting goes a long way in building support for something because A, you can pressure test your ideas and talk through them um, before you've formalized it. And you can also through that process, like figure out who do I really connect with? Like who, who... Are, do we think in a similar way? Who do we vibe on similar ideas? Or perhaps who thinks in a totally different way, but I really like how they challenge me and they bring really good counterparts. So I think you'll naturally find people that you gravitate towards and find you know that you work well towards. And I think that's how you find allies and that's how you be a good ally. Is um, and, and I think the other thing is like, there's always going to be differences of opinion. It, it's always good to have healthy tension, right? get to the best outcome by debating things, by trying to find something that's going to make legal and compliance happy, as well as product and growth, as well as um, finance. Like, and, and it's working with all those stakeholders that gets you to the right answer, because I think the conflict often surfaces the best solution in having that healthy tension, that healthy debate in the room. But I think it always has to be in a very respectful way, which is I understand where, like understanding where someone is coming from, understanding why they're saying something I think taking someone else's perspective can be super helpful because it's not that this team doesn't want to do it and is dragging their feet on it. It's likely that that team has other priorities and they're feeling pressure from these other timelines, right? And so oftentimes I think it's just being very understanding and trying to take someone else's perspective. And I think one-on-ones are a really great way to do that because you hear a little bit more, you, you just better understand where someone's coming from, what they have going on and what their, um, what their underlying worries or fears are. Yeah. And I, I mean, allyship is definitely, or being an ally and having allies is definitely a great way to, you know, sort of gain respect for your, from your peers and like talking in those one-on-ones, like you said, what are some other ways to, you know, gain respect from your peers, especially if you are, you know, sharing ideas, maybe in a room with people who are more senior, senior to you, or, you know, in a product management role, right. Where you're working with engineers and designers, like, how can you, you know, get your peers and those that you're working closely with to really, you know, respect you? I mean, honestly, I think you have to do the work. Like if you come to the meeting prepared, if you have good ideas, if you've done the analysis, you've done your homework, I think that is what earns you a ticket to have a, a, a voice and an opinion in the room. It's, it's, you know, like in an engineering meeting, I'm not going to have the engineering perspective, but I can 
bring a different perspective and I can have thought out and say like, look, I looked at these other product designs or these other competitors. And so I think you can always find a way to add value and be the expert in the area that you're covering or in a different area or, or bring analysis that comes and looks at things from a different perspective. But I think that's what earns you credibility, right? Is that you know, if you bring analysis to a room, you're presenting to a bunch of more senior folks, when they ask questions, yes, I already, I've looked at that. Um, I thought about that as well. Or they, they notice something in numbers. Like I think just being on top of your game and doing the work lends you a lot of credibility because I think the next time you come in, people will give you that. I know that this person has been really thorough. I know that I can trust this analysis. And um, I think that earns you really say, like, based on this analysis, I've studied this at more depth and this is my recommendation or this is what my takeaway is. And um, I think having, I think that's the other thing is that oftentimes people can just, you know, get focused on doing the analysis, especially when you're more junior, but then it's the taking a step back and spend as long, you know, analyzing the analysis, like, like what are the takeaways? What would you do differently? How do we take action based on it? And I think that's where um, I'd spend a lot of time. Yeah. And honestly, I found like in my career that that I get questioned less, like you said, the more I show up prepared and show my ideas and, you know, start to demonstrate that I've done the work, I know my stuff, and then people start to sort of question you a little bit less. So I, I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's super important. So my last question for you, I always love to end on a positive note, is just, can you tell me a little bit about sort of what you feel is one of your greatest accomplishments? Yeah. I mean, I think what I think is most rewarding is as you become a manager, it stops being about your own personal success and it becomes about the success of your team. I think that's just the most rewarding thing is seeing people that you've you know, managed and mentored for a while really... Um, you overcome hurdles or achieve their goals. I think that's by far one of the greatest accomplishments because at a certain point, your own personal achievements, it rings a little more hollow than, and then being able to help someone else. And I think you're able to do that at greater scale. And so I think there's definitely moments I remember where, you know, someone on my team like got recognition for something or accomplished a, a huge strategic in initiative that like really impacted the direction that square was going or like, I was just blown away with how they presented in the meeting and they presented to our executive team and like, and really got them to change the direction of things. And I remember those times at the times that I felt most proud and most rewarded. It, it, at the end of the day, it's all about people. And I think that's just super important for seeing like the impact that you have because your own individual impact is, is only amplified as you have a team. And so that it's super important to, to like your success of your team um, ends up being more important to how you're judge and evaluate and the impact that you can have than your own individual success. That's such a great answer, especially given, you know, the theme of our episode on management. So thank you so much. This was so amazing. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time to be on Boss Ladies. Yeah, this is so fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Boss Ladies. Check back next week for a new episode. Visit us at www.bossladiespodcast.com for more information about the show or follow us at Boss Ladies Podcast on Instagram. Rate, like, and follow the show on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Mm-hmm.